three, two, one. All right, here we go. Another edition of Inside Fitness Radio. Today's guest is Mark Fitzgerald. How's it going, Mark? Good, man. How are you? Good. And we have Costa here, who is going to be uh, co-hosting. Welcome back, Costa. Thanks, Derek. Been a little while. Yeah, it has. I like the hat. So it's an appropriate hat to be wearing. It's actually uh, it's a brand of uh, outdoor outdoor wear from Florida that I got it that coincidentally has my name. It was in a custom hat. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, happy birthday! Today is, is your birthday. You're uh, you're forty one. Forty one. Yep. I'm uh, past the milestone, thankfully. So now I uh, count down to the next scary one. Yeah. What do you have planned <laughs> for today? Anything uh, crazy? No, no. A lot of uh, in home celebrations with uh, the family, and uh, not not probably a whole lot else to be honest, which is fine with me. Cool. Okay. Well, I wanted to get started with. Uh, so, Mark, you were recently uh, the head head uh, strength and conditioning coach for the Anaheim uh, Ducks. Is the Mighty Ducks or is the Ducks now? They don't call them Mighty Ducks, right? No, Mighty Mighty was Disney, so they're no more Disney. No more Disney. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm uh, always interested in how people get to where they you know where they have in life and, and where to start from. So, you know, I want to start with your background. You grew up in in Whitby, mm-hmm. and uh, where did you go to school? Like, what did you do when you were younger? Uh, you know, Whitby is a great place to grow up. I think number one, there was um, a lot of you know local sports and and you know a big emphasis on you know being active and 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 what have you. My parents were are Irish immigrants, you know, so they were you know they kind of involved us in whatever we wanted to do, basically, which was which was pretty neat. Uh, I think I got probably the best of that uh, I, as I have two older brothers who regularly complained that I was uh, way more spoiled and afforded way more opportunity than they were. Um, uh, so I ended up going to Henry Street High School, uh, which again, pissed off my brothers because uh, it was a public school and we were, uh, we were raised Catholics. So that was a, you know, that was a big deal, but I wanted to play football, you know, so that was kind of the only school and it was right up the street from our house that had, uh, that had football. Um, you know, so I got to go and do that, which was probably a pretty big life changer for me. Uh, it's funny because my coach, one of my, actually my head coach from my first junior football team, grade nine, just posted a picture of our team the other day oh, yeah. from 1994, you know, so it was like, uh, showing it to my kids and I really recognized myself, but it was such a instrumental year in terms of, uh, you know, growth as a, as a young guy and as an athlete and realizing what hard work is and, you know, having some really, some really great mentors, uh, in terms of coaches that were all, I think there were six police officers that were our coaches. So there was, <laughs> there's kind of no holds barred in terms of, uh, how we played, how we practiced. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was life altering in a good way. And it showed, it showed me the kind of the value of hard work. And obviously my parents and my, my brothers and what have you obviously had a lot to do with that too. Yeah. But, uh, it was, it was definitely a life altering experience and made me realize that, I want to play football or I want to try to play football for as long as I can. And, um, not that I was any good, but I worked hard and, uh, you know, yeah. I would do, I would do whatever <laughs> in order to get onto the field. So it was, it was pretty what position neat. did you play? Uh, I started off as a defensive lineman, eventually turned into an offensive lineman. And I ended up playing that, uh, offensive line as a center, um, at university. So it kind of, uh, I, I naturally, I thought I was a quarterback at first, which was kind of funny. If you talk to my first year coach about that, he looked at me and just started laughing hysterically uh, and pointed and pointed me in the direction of all the other slightly overweight kids. Um, 
you know, so it was, I was kind of thrust into a position that really, really more than anything, I was looking to, um, get out some energy and some frustration, I guess, as a young guy. And you know, I come home covered in bruises and I just loved it, you know, and I loved being part of the offensive line, defensive line. And our coach was a police officer and he was a gigantic man, you know, six, four, six, five, you know, 300 pounds. And he was just, you know, you talk about culture and you talk about, you know, getting kids to buy in. He had a hook, line and sinker because if you, you didn't want to disappoint him and you also didn't want him to get mad at you because you're so scary that, you know, it was, it was, again, it's something that you, it's an easy guy to look up initially. And that was, that was pretty cool. Do you think we have coaches like that now out there in uh, high schools? You know, I, I, I don't system, you know, how it is. And it's hard for, for teachers and coaches. I think, uh, out there, I mean, it's fine, right? You're talking about the nineties. Uh, I grew up around the same time a little bit earlier. I'm a little bit older than you. Um, and we had, I remember the high school I went to, they had a good football program, but it was like a big deal. I mean, and this is obviously where we're in Ontario. Um, I don't know, Casa, how about you, where you grew up? Is football a big deal? Costa, you hear me or what? I can hear you. Yeah, was football a big deal for you or what when you were growing up? For me, it was rugby. Rugby? Really? We were growing up in Canada, hockey and rugby out here. I know. Uh, football wasn't uh, the thing growing up. It's, well, I mean, cause it, I guess it was expensive. Yeah. So, how about hockey? Did you play hockey when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I, I played hockey, but it wasn't, um, I played house league. You know, I wasn't. I definitely, that definitely wasn't my sport. And, uh, you know, all my buddies were hockey players and, you know, it was funny because we, by the time we got to high school, it was kind of, you know, almost at the end of my hockey career, you know, in terms of the house league stuff, it just became less interesting. And, yeah. you know, as, as you get older in house league, the, you know, the commitment level from everybody involved just kind of goes down a little bit, you know? So yeah. when I got to high school, I'm like, I want to play football. My, my oldest or my middle brother was, who's a big influence on me and, uh, still one of my best friends um you know he played you know so i saw him playing and it was just one of those things where um you know it was something that i really wanted to get involved with and i realized too being a bigger guy and you know started weight training with my middle brother and i just saw myself kind of projected into that environment as opposed to hockey because i knew i wasn't good enough at hockey to really do anything with it so football is it football was it and rugby was big at our school too and i played a little bit of rugby but just football is different I, you know like football is just such a uh, such a team sport and it's such a unique sport in my opinion even more yeah. so than hockey and a lot of others i know rugby has its, you know we do a lot of work in rugby now and it's a very cool sport and i really i really really enjoy it but football is different you know football is just uh i don't know how to describe it and Mark, what do we know about football now? Which I'm curious about your opinions. With you know, it's come to like the CTE and all the contact. Would you would you put your kids in it now, or what, what would you do? What's your what's your thoughts on it? Um, my my oldest son, who's eight, plays flag football, and I think you know to begin with, I think that's a great introductory sport. And my youngest son, who just turned six, he's going to play as well. And that I'm comfortable with that for now. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of the equipment and hitting and stuff like that, I'm going to be very picky on, I think if they want to play, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, hold them off until at least high school where I know, and I'm going to do my research as well on coaches that will teach them properly and how to hit. Um, you know, that was a big part of, I feel lucky with, with my coaches in high school because a few of them played some CFL and some pro. So, 
they knew what they were doing and they taught us well, you know, but, you know, do I think it's an issue? Yes, for sure. You know, I still remember, you know, going into training camp and, you know, you put your helmet on for the first couple of days and you couldn't really turn your head because the helmets were so heavy and all you did all day was hit, especially on the line and your neck would just be so stiff, but it's almost like that, uh, accumulation and training after a few days stopped hurting, you know? And I'm like, is that a good thing? Or, you know, you know, I did a lot of neck work, but still there's nothing like putting on an eight pound helmet or, you know, 10 pound helmet and, you know, smashing into people. So I, I think I'll be a little hesitant on, on letting my kids play, but I think if they, if it's the right situation where they really want to play, there's good coaching, there's good structure in the, you know, whatever league they're going to play in, then I'll definitely give it some more consideration. Yeah. Mark, when did you uh, realize you wanted to get into training as a, as a profession? Like how did this happen? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who will be watching and, and listening and like, how did this start for you? Well, I think it started a long time ago. Like I mentioned with my middle brother who, um, you know, basically introduced me to the gym. Yeah. You know, he, he dropped an empty barbell on my chest doing bench press and said, Hey, you know, this is hard and you, you got to learn how to do this. And uh, I think it was something that, it was, it was an outlet for me, just like I mentioned with football where, you know, the, the weights don't care, you know, you just got to go in and, and you have to work and you can kind of shut your mind off. And, and to this day, it's therapy for me, you know, it's, it's therapy. And I don't mean that in a dramatic way, but it's, it is, it's just it, the weights don't talk back, you know? And I think that's when I realized it was, it was something that I'm going to need to put into my life for the rest of my life, you know, is it's going to be a habit that's needed. And so it was, it was introduced early, you know, it's called grade eight. And in high school, I had some great coaches as well that, you know, were big on um, strength training and, and weightlifting and what have you. And that was, that was big for me too. And I don't think I realized I wanted to do this as a job, probably up until the end of university, because I didn't think it, I didn't think I could. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of jobs out there for strength coaches. And I sure as shit didn't want to be a personal trainer. So because of the bad, you know, there the negative connotations around that, you know. Well, when did strength coaching really take off in professional sports? I mean, what, what year are we talking, guys? I mean, I, were, I started working for the Leafs in uh, uh, 08, 09. You're just right back. That's when I left. I left 08. Right. So that was when Matt left. I came in right after Matt with the Marlies. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I would, I would say, yeah. Oh, four to Oh five. And the Leafs were kind of late in getting on, um, strength coaches and, and kind of adapting or adopting, uh, that role. As far as I know, a lot of other teams were further ahead. So were you a personal trainer? We started in Oh three with Matt as the first, uh, Strength coach, I remember, and they, and they were actually far because before then it was just the athletic trainers were kind of doing yeah. sport coaching. And now that you've seen it, it's gone from the teams have their strength coach to move towards the one on one, the personal strength coaches. But that's been a real shift, right? Yeah, because I mean, mm -hmm. it really, it didn't exist when you were going to school, really, as far as like, hey, we can. This is a job. And so now, anyone who's who's sixteen years old, seventeen years old, who could be watching this. Yeah, you can you can make a living. This is actually a profession. There's probably, I mean, how many coaches are on a professional split, like a hockey team? Like, how many strength guys did you have? Uh, you know what? When I when I first when I was with the Leafs, it was just me. I was with the Marlies, and then the the head guy was Anthony Belza, um, who was Matt's understudy um, before he left. So it was just the two of us. 
you know, with, with 60 guys, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of crazy to think that, you know, now there's probably, and when I took the job with the ducks, it was just me. And I had one assistant in San Diego, which is our, which was our farm, clean, uh, farm team. So again, we were behind in, in Anaheim for sure, because when you look at most teams now, they average between two to three staff, just strength coaches, you know, and I think, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like the NFL model where they have, you know, probably three to five minimum per team because there's just this sheer volume of guys. And with hockey, the only, the, the only negative part is that there's not a whole lot of separation between, you know, the training times and groups. Usually they all come in at the same time. So you got 23 to 25 guys who at nine Oh five, they're all going to come into the gym. You know? So if you're only one guy, you, number one, you better be ready. <laughs> you better be organized. And you better be able to, you know, change on the fly and move around the room and kind of address what you need to address. Because like Casa said, like everybody now expects personalization and, you know, injury prevention type stuff and all these intricacies of training, which they should expect. But it's hard to deliver from the team side for sure. It has its challenges. Yeah, for sure. What advice would you give someone now who would want to work for a professional team? What kind of advice would you give someone starting off? What should they do? Where should they go? I would say experience is key above anything else, you know, be able to put yourselves and put yourself in a, in a, you know, somewhat similar environment. And then usually that means interning, volunteering. Um, you know, if you want to be in a, in a professional locker room, make sure you can get into one in some capacity as soon as possible, because I've met a lot of, and I'm, I'm assuming cost is going to agree to this, but I met a lot of really smart coaches that have, you know, either empty gyms or, you know, can't get athletes to listen to them because they don't know how to interact, interpersonal skills, personality, sociology, whatever you want to call it, psychology. That's what the job is at, at the pro level, in my opinion. Yes, you have to know your X's and O's. You know, you have to know what you're doing, obviously. And, you know, the best guys in the world, in my opinion, are the guys that are constantly self-improving, educating, all those things. But, you know, checking that box, if you can't talk to guys, if you can't talk to a $30 million athlete, if you can't get them to, you know, buy into your program, good or bad, then yeah. sorry, too bad. You know, is it hard? Is it hard dealing with younger guys now? Cause I mean, they have a, a lot of money. There's a lot of social media. There's more ego involved. There's some players now who are popular just because they have social media, right? I mean, is it hard to, to coach these guys or to train them at times? I mean, I think, I think, I think that you can, you can definitely have your challenges. But I mean, I love what I do. I think the challenges around it are are ones that are kind of in my wheelhouse as a as a, a personality type, I guess. I, I like I'm comfortable being in the room, you know. And I, it's something I've talked about before in other interviews is that if you're not confident in yourself, if you don't have that self awareness, you know, like if you go into a, a, a NHL locker room and and you don't and you're not uh, self aware and self confident, yeah. They're all alpha males. And I'm assuming it's the same in NFL and MLB and basketball. Like they're going to rip you apart. If they yeah. see any chink in the armor, they're going to jump it. They're going to jump on it, you know? And if you can't, you know, either number one, take it, so you, you know, some thick skin and you can't fire back with, you know, be a part of it, then you're going to put yourself in a, in a detriment right away. When you then ask them to do this complicated movement or, Hey, let's do some stretching to take care of yourself. You know, do you think they're going to listen to you? You know, if if they know that you can't handle a joke or you can't, you know, yeah. be a part of the ribbing or whatever, right? Like it's eat you alive, they'll eat you alive. Yeah, and gone. <clears throat> yeah, and it, it's it makes the job that much harder. If it was just about strength and conditioning, then 
know, what I would say is, yeah, make sure you have these certifications and do X, Y, and Z, but it's not, it's, I was fortunate to be on the good end of a small hockey world, you know, that people that knew me in Toronto that recommended me for a job in Anaheim. I didn't apply. I didn't, there was, how how did you get the job in Toronto? Like how did that start? That was a, through a connection as well. Um, somebody recommended me because they knew they were looking for somebody. And I've been with Under Armour for 12, 13 years now. And it was a connection through Under Armour because they had uh, some early partnerships with the Leafs and oh, you're looking for a strength coach. Oh, we got a really good guy, young guy that works in hockey, does X, Y, and Z. And I went in for one day and I remember being in the MasterCard Center where their practice facility is and talking to my <clears throat> my future boss at the time. and you know, just shooting the breeze and talking about training and all the Leafs come in, you know, I'm meeting everybody and whatever. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like a, a fan, right? Because all my buddies played hockey. I yeah. grew up around hockey. It wasn't a big deal to me. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but it just wasn't. They're just all hockey guys, you know, and mm-hmm. he paired me up with an injured guy, uh, Mike Van Ryan. I don't know if you remember that name from the Leafs. He had a, he had a bad knee injury or something and we trained and I guess that, you know, the feedback that he gave to my boss was really good because, well, we just trained and I, I talked to him just like I talked to any of my other professional hockey players and it was very natural for me. So that was never for me. Yes. I always have to get better as a coach and I'm probably not the, I know, I know I'm not the best X's and O's coach out there. There's a lot of brilliant guys, but I know how to be in the room. I know how to communicate with these guys. I know how to, you know, I'm comfortable with myself. I, I know how to take a joke. I know how to give one back. I know, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the soft skill that is now becoming more of a hard skill, to be honest, and something that's missed a lot in, in formal education and, and what have you. And that's why I spoke to that experience piece. You know, the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable you are with yourself and, you know, not take yourself too seriously, especially in those environments The, you know, the, you're setting yourself up for more success down the line. So how was it when you first started off, like the traveling and all that and being on the team? Was it like super exciting? It sounds like it'd be really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was cool for a while. <laughs> um, you know, you, the, the private planes and the five-star hotels and, you know, they call it the Never Hungry League for a reason. You know, it's, uh, there's, there's way too much food, uh, similar to what you post on your Instagram with all the yeah. delicious <laughs> food. It's usually where a lot of our conversations start. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just, it was pretty overwhelming because, I, again, I was a one-man show and I was planning every meal on the plane. I was planning every meal at every point. I was doing all the training, all the, everything, right? So it was, and a lot of guys do that. Now, not so much, but when I started, there was still a lot of kind of uh, one, one-man one shows in the league. And that was, <clears throat> the traveling and stuff got old pretty fast. Um, not that I didn't enjoy parts of it, but there's just a lot that goes into it. You know, we travel with like 60 people. Uh, there's a lot of off one plane onto another bus, onto another bus, into the hotel. It's a lot of, you know, over and over and over and over again, right? So you get it gets pretty stale. And I think part of my job as a coach was try to break up that staleness. So, you know, when we landed, we did a lot of pool workouts. We did a lot of group stuff that I was trying to kind of break the monotony of that travel because it does get tough. Yeah. it's uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I mean, it would be, I think it would be super exciting and all that, but I could certainly see the traveling. I've traveled enough, not nearly as much as, as yourself. And even I'm sure with private jets and all that, it gets a little, you know, hard if you want to plan your life or to do certain things, you know, well, I'm sure you missed a lot of weddings and, and uh, probably some birthdays and stuff because you're on the road, right? I mean, it's, it's not an easy life. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because this year I was able to be home a lot more, you know, because I'm obviously not with the team anymore. And, 
I remember at Christmas time, I was at a hockey clinic with my son and just talking with some of the other dads and they're asking me about the job. And I said, well, number one, you, you guys would know me if I was still with the team. And they all just kind of looked at me. I said, why well, I wouldn't have, I would have missed every single game. I may have gone to some practice. I would have missed every single game. And they just kind of looked at me and I said, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here because this is a whole new perspective on what I actually missed out on for the last call it 10 years, you know? So it was, it was, you know, it, it had its ups for sure. And it was nice to walk into an airport and just cruise right onto the plane and, you know, have buffets of food everywhere and all that kind of stuff. But I missed a lot. And it's definitely something that, you know, I won't be going back to uh, at any point soon because I, I realize what's important and not missing that stuff is way more important. <laughs> yeah, obviously having a family, a young family, you want to spend as much time as possible. I, I can see that. And like so the novelty can wear off there. And it also provides you with opportunities, right? So doing everything you've done has got you to this place now. I mean, what are you up to now? What are you doing currently? Well, yeah, we, we moved from, from California and we had a great experience there and, you know, made some lifelong friends there. So it was a tough place to leave for sure. And obviously the weather is tough to leave too, but um, we're in uh, Kelowna, BC now, which is incredible and um, definitely better weather than Ontario. So um, yeah. I'm, thankful, I'm thankful for that. It's snowing uh, in May. What's, what's the problem? Yeah, right. It's, 20, it's 23 here today, so we're good. Um yeah, so I'm uh, doing some consulting out here with a, uh, a private academy, and then I'm going to be opening up um, basically a summer training camp for uh, NHL clients out here. It's a pretty big hotbed for hockey guys, so um, it's a kind of an untapped market, in my opinion, uh, just from the research that I've done. And some of my athletes that I work with now, who live out here in the summertime, said, you know, hey, you should come out here and, and set up shop. It's, you know, it has everything out here. That, you know, it's a very it's very similar to California, to be honest, mountains and water and healthy living. And, you know, so that's something that my wife and I discussed and it's become very attractive to us to not want to go back to something completely different. You know, it feels like it's more of a lateral move in terms of environment and what have you. Hopefully, Mark, I'm going to change, change a little bit of the tracks question. Uh, and I think you, you'll like this. There's been... A real change in the shift from strength coaches for the last 10, 15 years. You've seen the whole evolution being one of the pioneers here. What's your opinion on right now with social media, Twitter, Instagram, where you got the Instagram coaches where they're putting out their information or they're criticizing people who've kind of been there and done it. So it's where before it was trying to be a, a share of information. Now it's more of let's see how much I know and how much kind of I can apply just on an internet basis. What, what are your opinions on those people yeah you know what it's tough industry's going that way yeah it's tough you know and i work with under armor and i have for a long time and my role has kind of changed a lot now with social media because i don't spend a lot of time on social media in terms of producing content um and that's by choice and i I think it's you have to have a certain personality for that and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i think there's some there's a lot of good messaging and there's a lot of smart people that are producing that content i'd rather coach i'd rather spend my time doing that and my other time is spent with my family you know so for me it's not a priority right now but i definitely see value in it and i think there's a a short list of people that are producing that valuable content um and you know what i said going back to under armor it's now my role is to try to help our influencers and try to help the people that are producing content on behalf of under armor is to make sure that the content is you know, S and C approved. I know that kind of sounds kind of arrogant. It's probably not the best way to say it, but 
I'm trying to filter their information a little bit for them because a lot of them are young, inexperienced coaches, or some of them are anyways, some of them aren't. And I, I think I, I, I relish that role because I think I can have a positive influence on some of the things that you just mentioned, because there definitely are people that on there that are, you know, they're, they're only showing you the good parts, you know, and I don't know how many more push up and burpee challenges I can look at on Instagram during quarantine. Like it's, that's not training, you know, like pushups are great. Burpees, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't see a lot of uh, ROI with them, but you know, I, I think I'm not going to pay attention to the people that are criticizing anyways. <laughs> we did a photo shoot with Under Armour with um, a bunch of hockey players, Taylor Hall, Drew Doughty, a couple of elite level guys. And I got people criticizing what we're doing on, on Instagram. It's like context. Do you even know what this is? Do you know why we're doing it? Do you know that he has an injury that we're doing, that we're working around? You know, so a lot of it is so much context that, you know, people are just lashing out because they're just, they're taking in something they probably don't even understand in the first place, you know, like, and Hey, the other side of it too, with Under Armour is, um, you know, it's, it's a brand. They're trying to portray something, you know? So like a lot of the times I, my, my hands are tied, even though, yeah, hey, here, here's what we're thinking. Should we do this? No, you should do this. Okay. Well, we're still going to do this. You know, like it, I only have so much say on certain things. Right. And it's, we were, we shot the first Under Armour commercial in Canada in my gym, I don't know, 15 years, uh, 12 years ago. And it was great because it was real, but like it, it's changed a lot since then. Like, you know, the, the evolution of that positive and negatively, obviously, but it's, you know, so I think you got to filter it yourself. And I think the people out there that aren't coaching that are only, you know, coaching online is, is, is definitely growing, but I'm, I'm not following those people anyways. And I think, I think people are realizing that the good coaches, the, the guys like Eric Cressy, the guys like Ben Bruno, the guys like Matt Nickel are, are the ones that are producing the content that you should be paying attention to because those are the people that are actually working with athletes that, you know, need their bodies for their profession. I think that's a big part of it too. Right. And, um, you know, people that are, are fighting for likes and all those kinds of things aren't people I'm paying attention to to begin with. And if you got your shirt off in the picture, it, you're probably not going to get a like from me to begin with. You know, I think that's, is it, in my opinion, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but coaching is my cost of, <laughs> coaching for coaching for me is not about me. Coaching is about the athlete. So if you're making a post about you, then you've already lost me because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the athlete. It's about what you're doing with the athlete. And I think that's lost on a lot of people, right? Because it's like, and I, and I catch myself on it too. And I say my athletes, you know, and, and I say that because I care about them. I, I say that because I've had athletes of, you know, I've been at their weddings. They've met in my gym. I've had three marriages out of our gym now with athletes that have met in our facilities and have gotten married, you know? So like I consider them my athletes, but I know that I'm just a small piece of their work, you know, whether it's a success or a failure or whatever, I'm, I'm just a small piece of it, you know? So it's, I think that's a, that's kind of a miss in our industry now too, where, coaches are probably taking a little too much credit for the athlete or the athletic performance, you know? That's interesting. Um, so, I mean, as far as, as training right now, primarily you're training younger people, is it like any, like what kind of, who are you training specifically? Uh, for me, it's, it's mostly uh, professional athletes, uh, heavy in the NHL side. I still have a couple NFL guys. Um, obviously with everything shut down now, it's a little bit strange, but, our facilities definitely cater to more everybody, you know, young athletes, teams. Yeah. We have a 
collection of uh, older athletes or, you know, regular Joes, whatever you want to call them, everyday athletes uh, as well. But I don't really see a ton of them. I do get a lot of referrals for, you know, return to play or return from injuries. Uh, I had a gentleman that I was working with in California who had seven knee surgeries on the same knee. You wow. know, so he, yeah, I, I, those are amazing for me though, because there's so, it's such a learning opportunity because, uh, you know, here's a guy with seven knee surgeries. Well, automatically I can't do a lot of the things that I know how to do that will help him gain strength. So it's creativity. It's yeah. kind of getting out of my own way a little bit. And, you know, those type of clients I'm, I'm always eager to work with because it's, you, ha- you have to fail, you know, you have to fail and you have to learn and it forces you to do those things. And it's, I don't want too many, but it's, uh, it's definitely a, a good challenge and ones that I'm, uh, you know, I look forward, I look forward to, and I get a lot of referrals from different chiropractors or therapists that I work with. So that's always an intriguing one for me. So it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of people that I work with, but heavy into the athletes. No, I think, I, I think right now we're seeing it. Strength and conditioning is definitely, it's become a buzzword really in athletics. Um, and you'll see a lot of parents wanting their kids. Like I've seen kids, parents asking about their four or five year olds on strength and conditioning. What are kind of your guidelines for parents when kids should really start to take it seriously? Um, a development, a sports specific development. I'm not talking just a general physical preparedness, just actually focusing on, on that aspect to get better at their sport. Well, you know, it's interesting because my son, my eight year old is a pretty good little athlete and uh, I don't take credit for that genetically because I think I was a very average athlete. I just worked hard. Um, Your wife. I were good coaches. Yeah. And my wife is, she's sitting beside me, so I'm not going to say anything else on that. Um, but for him, you know, my goal with him and, you know, I speak about long-term athletic development. So I can't, you know, I've lectured about this many, many times and I'm very on one side of it. And the one side of it is long-term athlete development revolves around exposures exposures to movement, different movements, different sports, different activities. And that's the same model that I've used on my kids. And with my son, he excels. He excels in everything that he does in terms of physically, you know, and I'll give you an example. He was the youngest kid on his flag football team in his first year. And he started slow and what everybody gradually got comfortable and realized that he was pretty fast and realized that he could move pretty good and he could throw and all this stuff. And he gets a handoff in the far end and he gets blocked on the one side and he just scoots around and he's got a probably 60, 70 yard run in front of him. And I'm standing on the sideline and he's kind of running towards me. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a nice little gain here. This is great. Yeah. And he's got three kids converging on him. And I'm like, Oh, he's going to get, he's going to get flagged here. He's going to get grabbed for sure. And yeah. he just stops up. They all fall over and he scoots into the end zone. And everybody's just going bananas. And I, I grabbed him afterwards. I go, Hey, like, how did you know how to do that? And he's like, oh, they just, they were coming over here. I stopped. They all fell down. I ran in. I'm like, no, okay. I won't ask anymore. <laughs> it's out of my league, I guess. But you know, that's, it showed me that, you know, exposures, he, he did judo, he did wrestling, he did squeezing You know, they all swim like crazy. Yeah. Um, karate, he did baseball, basketball, football, hockey, you know, and again, I think those all feed into each other. And and I had parents on his basketball team asking, which is the funniest sport to watch at that eight, at six to eight years old. Yeah. His coach called him the Dennis Rodman of, uh, of the seven-year-old basketball league, because he realized that if he just 
sprinted nonstop for the entire time, he'd, he'd get the ball every time. And if he was aggressive, yeah, he, he's going to get more chances to score. Just make sure he doesn't do a 48 hour trip to Vegas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to asterisk that one, but it, I think it comes, I think it really comes down to sport exposures. And I think, you know, in terms of training, I'm trying to, you know, he sees what I do. I think that's a part of it too, right? Is learn by example or lead by example and something I've ingrained in all my kids. And everywhere we go, we have a home gym, you know, and it's usually the garage and it, it's, they see me doing the work. They see yeah. me working every day. They see what I'm doing and why daddy's strong. Yeah, daddy's strong because strong means X, Y, and Z, right? Healthy means X, Y, and Z yeah, movement. and movement, right? And And doing different things. And I think that's where a lot of parents are just, they get caught up in the, like hockey is one of the worst examples in Canada, but the U S is pretty bad too. 12 months a year. Like, no, <laughs> no, he's not going to go on the ice 12 months a year because he's not trying to win the seven-year-old championship. If we do great. But if we don't, I don't care. I care about his skill development, improving, you know, every year, you know, building, building, building. I don't care about having the best 10 year old because usually that means that 10 year old is going to peter out pretty fast. He's going to get sick of it. You know, yeah, and I tell parents, I'm like, if Gretzky tells you to do other sports, he didn't do uh, hockey all year round. So if Gretzky didn't do it, your kid ain't Gretzky. So, and, and I'll give you another example, a real world example too. Ryan Getzlaff, you know, and I'm sure you know who that is. And he's, you know, one of the best NHL players in the world. And he's one of the most sickening athletes you've ever seen. You know, he could take a football, throw it 40 yards on a rope, uh, his, both his parents were high level volleyball players for Canada. Um, you see him hit a golf ball, it, ridiculous, you know, like he can play, he could probably play professionally on another sport. He did batting practice with the angels one year and he was just smashing the ball, you know, and it's just like, huh, makes sense. And I, I know I, I asked him like, well, what'd you do in the summertime? He's like everything but hockey. It's like, there you go. And is he gifted? Is he special? Yes, for sure. But the recipe is the same, you know, and I think that's, the recipe is build the athlete first. Once it comes time to, you know, if, if my son decides that he wants to really pursue hockey, okay, then we'll start doing, we'll start, maybe we'll take away one sport or we'll, or we'll minimize a sport. I think that's another part of it too, is that I'm not saying that if he's playing hockey, he's not going to play basketball. We have a basketball hoop in the front yard, right? Like he can still play basketball. He might not play on team BC, but I don't really care. You know, like he's still, he still plays the sport. I think a lot of parents get caught up in the, oh, my kid's on the rep team or he's on this travel team and this and that. Like, it doesn't matter. As long as he still plays the sport, is still exposed to it, the different planes of movement or different shape of a ball, whatever it is, right? I think that's way more important. But again, it's not as, you know, it's not as special. It's not as, uh, you don't need a specific coach for it. You just need to spend time with your kids too, which I think obviously a big one. Some parents take it. I've been to a couple different games. Saw my nieces play hockey and all that. And some people get to it like it's, it's a serious deal. Like people get pissed oh. off and, and they, they get a little too much. You know what I mean? Like I, I watch it and I'm like, oh, this kid could do this and that. But I, it's just kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the amount of pressure that they will put on their kids, I, I think is unnecessary because oh. I mean, there's, I mean, hockey's like, <laughs> hockey is definitely one of those sports. When I was a kid, you know, my parents had, you know, money to put us through things, but we certainly were not going to be buying the brand new Titan fiberglass day. Now these hockey sticks are what, two, three hundred dollars? Easy. Yeah. Right. I mean it's Easy. a lot of pressure, I think, too. And then the kids get caught up into it and and, and then some parents are not doing them any favors, in my opinion. I mean they should, you know, kind of uh, tone it down a little bit. Let the kids, 
do what they like, and then they'll gravitate, right? I mean, you can't push them into it. I mean, it sounds obviously like you have a little natural athlete there, and there's going to be that mental side to it, right? Like, he's going to have to want to play the sport that he enjoys. I mean, uh, I think it's telling kids, it's, it's telling the parents, listen, your kids aren't going to the NHL. It's not going to happen. If they are, no. you'll know. And 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time, they're not. It's, it's winning the lottery. It's just like there's so many other lessons and so many other skills that they can get from sport. And yeah. Focus on that. You're, if, if your kid happens to make it far, great. But that's just obviously a bonus. It's not going to happen. You'd be, you'd, you'd be shocked, I bet, if I've had conversations in, in California. So hockey in California is definitely a, a sport played by people with money. You know, you pull into the parking lot, it's nothing but Range Rovers and Beamers and whatever else, which is whatever. It's fine. And, you know, the conversations around the glass, it's like, oh, I really had to get Jimmy, you know, he didn't want to come today or he didn't want to do this. And I just shake my head. I, I ask my son every time, do you want to go to hockey tonight? Yep. Can't wait. I'm going to do this and do that. And there's, there, there was probably, they practice like three, four times a week, which we never went four times. But I said, you know, maybe, maybe three times he said, you know what? I just don't want to go tonight. <laughs> I just don't want to go tonight. I said, you know what? No problem. I don't really want to go either. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it was, I always gave him that option, but I think my wife and I do a good job of filtering the response. Is it, does he not want to go because he's just being a suck or does he not want to go because he's just tired and he, and he just, he doesn't have it today. And if it's that, then no problem. I'm never going to force him to do it. But we always say too, Hey, you committed to this. We're going to follow this through, you know, at the end of the commitment, we can decide whether or not you want to recommit to another batch or year or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying that I haven't figured it out, but again, I read the, the, the talk around the glass, I feel like we're doing a better job than some are doing in terms of like, Oh, you know, Jimmy doesn't want to come. Well, yeah, Jimmy doesn't want to come because he was on the ice an hour before with your skills coach. And he's probably got to do that three or four times a week as well. And you're on him at home to shoot the puck and do this and that. It's like, he's seven, he's seven. Like buy him a trampoline. Like what are you doing? You know, like it's, that's the part that's a head scratcher for me. I even seen some people getting their kids in the weight training. I, I was in Texas in uh, October and I'd never been to Texas before. And I went to their local gym. It was a small, you know, type thing. And uh, there was like some younger people there lifting weights with their parents. And I don't know. I mean, I've been around it for a long time. I was lifting weights when I was maybe 16, 17, all that. But I'm talking like younger, you know, and I just thought it was a little bit weird to lift weights per se. You know, I mean, I don't know if you need to work on your delts or your lats. But, uh, 10 right i mean maybe cost uh something uh <laughs> why the body of a lifetime of work here let's go you know what that's it, kind of scary man like uh, i i want my kids to want to work out so i'm 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 kind of keeping it away from them right now you know they're allowed to come in and watch and whatever but when they want to do it it's very filtered you know because i want them to want it later on i don't want them to want it now you know, or, you know, yeah. tell them what to do now. I want them to jump and sprint and, you know, the fundamental patterns, whatever you want to call them, natural movements. I'd rather them nail all those things because weight training is easy if you have the movement. Not easy. But one of my, yeah, one of my good buddies, George Betancourt, he was a teenage um, Mr. I think it was USA and all that. And he was a, you know, big bodybuilder. And we talked on a podcast where he was actually taking uh, steroids at like 14. 
And and I believe it or not, like he, he shocked me as far as like, hey, I'm sure you did drugs at some point to do this stuff. But at this age, he was actually going to, I think it was like a pharmacist or some guy that was like, his buddy got him into it. And I'm like, wow, I mean, this is, this is, this is going back, you know, sometime. But by the time he was like 16, 17, I think even by the time he hit his late teens, he was burnt out from the bodybuilding, you know, scene. And then obviously um, he, he was very, very young, very young to be doing what he was doing. And he looked at 16 years old, like incredible, you know, um, but the mental effects. And, and then we start talking about drugs and he's got a 15 year old son. And I'm like, hey man, like, so what would you tell your kid? You know, like this is and obviously stuff that you've done and it's things that you accepted and you did whatever you did, you know, and, and his, his opinion was different. And I think, yeah. uh, and I think now with, you know, growing up, uh, uh, all, all of us are around the same age, cost us a little younger. Um, you know, when you watch athletes and that, you don't really know, I mean, some of the other sides to the sport. Um, as much as like, I would watch hockey players, I think in the eighties, I think these guys were pretty much like smoking cigarettes and having coffees and that pre-workout was probably a coffee and then jumped on the ice and they probably didn't yeah. as much like in a weight room. I don't, like, I don't, I don't think so. It was all bike. It was all bike. You would hear even from the older coaches, the, the coaches, and I don't know, Mark, if it was the same with you, I'm not going to name any names, but they looked at us with a critical eye saying, Oh, you know, they should just jump on a bike for two hours. And if you didn't do that, you're just like, you're wasting their time. They're going to get too big. All the old cliches and it's getting through dealing with the coaches was the biggest problem with working with teams. And I don't know if that's changed or, but that's how it was kind of do, starting in the industry there. Well, you know what? I feel like I had a handful of the most old school coaches you can possibly imagine. And I'm not going to name names either, but we'll name it <laughs> off here. <'cause> we're <laughs> the yeah. And you know, some of the comments that I got from one particular one were just, you know, just head scratching. Like, you know, he would say like, look at that guy's face. He's, his face is all red. He was out drinking last night. And I'm just like, what? How, how? These guys don't do that anymore. Or, or they don't do it to the rate of the way you did it when you were playing. So, you know, that that's, I think that's still a big problem in hockey. And, and there's a lot of great young coaches that are now and GMs and management that are now like, getting into the league guys who trained hard, like, you know, Joe Neuendyke and uh, Joe Sackick, you know, all those guys are now in these management roles that it's, it's changing, but it's slow. It's very slow. And I think that's still a kind of a knock on hockey and, you know, hockey S and C hockey performance in general, I think is still behind, you know, whereas the NBA is doing a really good job. They're very forward thinking load management, all that kind of stuff, whether you like it or not, it's, they're looking into those things that, make the athletes tick and they're looking for longevity. You know, people didn't like that Kawhi Leonard was taking games off too bad. They want him to win the championship. They don't care about game 38 against the, you know, whoever, right. They're looking at the big picture. And I think that's the teams that are doing that are the teams that are winning, you know, the teams that are taking their time with prospects, the teams that are growing, you know, slow cooking prospects are the ones that are seeing the benefits of those, you know, like the, I said on another interview, I've had prospects in the past that were, they could do no wrong in year one of their contract. And then by year two, they were trade them, you know, like get rid of them. And, you know, and it's just looking going, wait a second. Like we haven't even really got to scratch the surface with this kid yet. Cause we've only seen him twice. Like, how are you discounting him already? You know, and that I think is still a big piece of the hockey landscape. And, you know, it's something that has to change if they want to, if they want to look at longevity of the game and longevity of their athletes. And that's, you know, slow cooking sometimes is, is what is necessary three to four years of training and 
lot of these hockey guys still, you know, they come to me in the NHL or where I was and they have a training age of zero, you know, because their junior team wasn't equipped. Maybe they were in the middle of nowhere, no strength coach, you know, not a focus on nutrition or whatever. And they're basically coming to us at a training age of zero. And we yeah, have to start from scratch. Guys that are lighting on the ice can't do a chin up. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, Oh, you can't score goals in the weight room. Yeah. But you can extend your career in the weight room and you can make more money in the weight room. So, you know, what do you think is going to happen to, I mean, hockey or any professional sports right, with COVID going on? Do you think we're going to see basketball this summer or do you think they're going to pick up hockey? I mean, what do you think? I mean, from selfishly, I, I, I hope there's no hockey because I think it's going to be, if they try to squeeze something out of this summer, I think it's going to have longer term effects on the players. I think, you know, the guys that I currently work with are, you know, they're not on the ice. They're they're training to some degree, which is great, but to be able to ramp them back up in a couple of weeks to throw them into games and to throw them into a somewhat of a playoff scenario, I think is long-term detrimental. Um, in my opinion, you know, just start fresh in September with training camp and go back, you know, go have a regular season. Um, then you don't lose two years uh, of hockey as opposed to just, you know, one playoff run, which sucks. I'd love to be watching playoff hockey today, but I think for the longevity of the game and the athletes that I, I hope they're smart about it. Um, and again, I think, I think if we give them this time off, I think this hockey season is going to be unbelievable because you're going to have so many guys that are so fresh. The competition is going to be that much higher to even get on a team, uh, let alone compete. You know, I, that's what I think, but I know there's money at play and a lot of money. So, I'm, you know, I, I think it's hard to say the other sports, the NBA, I, I feel like they're pretty creative. I'm, I'm sure we'll see some form of basketball. I don't, I don't know if it'll be for the NBA championship, but, and then NFL, I, I think will be normal. Well, normal, somewhat normal because there's just, I, I don't think you can hold those leagues off because there's so much money involved in it. And there's so much, you know, I'm living in California, like football is life, you know, like, I wonder if I'll have CFL this summer. It looks like they're in financial. I mean, they're looking for like 150 million or something like that from the Canadian government. Uh, it's not, that's going to be tough. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think in Western Canada, they're probably feeling that more so, but I don't know. I don't know how you would do it. You know, even just the NHL thing, like all those players now are, most of them are back home. Like there's a bunch of guys that are, that are here in Kelowna that are from here. And you're telling me that they're going to, fire up the NHL and they're going to fly these people in from around the world to play hockey again. Like it just from the current state of things, it just doesn't seem like that will happen. And there's so many, you know, like Minnesota's still locked down. I just talked to a buddy that lives out there. Like, how are they supposed to, you know, not everything is going to open up at the same time. I just don't see how, how logistically how it happens, you know? And I, I don't know. I think there's too many unanswered questions. Yeah, I mean, there's there's still time. It looks like America's opening up a little bit more and more. And I, I don't know. I think there's so much money. The one thing that I see on, on my side of it is when you get involved more in the business and sports, there's just there's so much money. Like there's just too much at stake. That so like season ticket holders. What happens if you have Raptors season tickets right now? You they could say, hey, you know what? We're not going to give any money back, but maybe we'll do. A, who knows, you know, something in the summertime, uh, playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I, I think the money's going to come. Picketing the TV rights. There's billions of dollars at stake, a lot of jobs. So, I mean, it's it, it, what Mark's saying, it makes the most sense. But if you look at all the money and the jobs are at stake from a whole economic health of the sport, it get that's where it really gets complicated and why 
player. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey players, I agree. I mean, once hockey players, they, they've gone through pretty much most of the season. They get conditioned to that point. Now they've been, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have ice access. Maybe these guys have hockey rinks at their houses. I'm sure some of them do. But, I mean, they're not getting on the ice. You said, and you're stopping. You're going almost cold turkey. And then yeah, you're it's not hoops. like basketball where you could just go shoot hoops or play big um, hoops, right? Basketball, but I'm sure you get back into darts or some bowling. I'm sure Costa, you can get back out there. Don't hate because I beat you at darts. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. I, I kind of feel that they're going to do – the NBA was the first one to – to stop everything. And I think they're pretty creative, those guys. Mm. And I think they will come up with like some kind of summer league or something for people. You know, the UFC has been, been obviously progressive. They, they had their, their uh, UFC 249, which I thought was pretty good considering there was no real audience and they can't have an audience, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, Better than WrestleMania. I mean, hey, hey. <laughs> come on. It was great. Yeah, yeah I, just, I have a hard time thinking, too, that, you know, even with the NFL, like they're going to you're telling me that they're going to kick off in that new L.A. Rams stadium and there's going to be nobody sitting there. I think I NFL, just, NFL has times. I think they're going to they're going to yeah. fans, maybe reduce capacity. I mean, again, it's you can't tell that far down the line. We don't know what the hell happens tomorrow. It's thing. So there was a, a soccer team, I think, in Europe. And what they were doing is instead of having fans in the stand, you could pay like 20 euros to have your cutout yourself in the stands at the game <laughs> that's well, that was pretty smart like, it was a good <laughs> it is smart yeah and they sold like, thousands of these things so it's like ah for 20 bucks i can't be at the game but you know i'm supporting my team which was yeah why not you gotta get smart game. invest in technology yeah yeah and you know what i mean uh we've had a, a great i mean this has been great chatting about uh things here and, and getting an insight into obviously yourself i mean is there anything um that you want to uh, let people know about, like what you got planned? Uh, you know what? Uh, I had some speaking engagements, but most of them are going to be done um, via Zoom, just like we're doing right now. There's a big one in uh, that was supposed to be in Quebec City uh, called the Hockey Conditioning uh, Performance Summit, yeah. hosted by a friend of mine, Scott Livingston. So we're doing it viral, or we're doing it uh, on Zoom. So that'll be a good one. It's a two-day event, June 26th, 27th. So... Uh, maybe I'll, I'll send you the link for that if you uh, if you want to post it. That's kind of yeah. the next no, thing I, that I'm doing. I think we got to get you out there more. I mean, because I work with so many people, and you know, kind of back to what we were saying before about all these guys on Instagram. There's tons of trainers. There's lots of people who could claim lots of shit. And and I, I I like to think you know I work with some of the best trainers in the world. It's 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 vouching. I don't fall for. I get hit up by a lot of people. You know, and I think you have to watch what their styles are, uh, what they do. So, I, but I also see, you know, also very humble guys. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's changed, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly changed there. And um, I mean, people should look for that. They should look for trainers who are more about them than about the, the trainers themselves, because I do see that. That's kind of like a sign, you know what I mean? The trainers more about getting likes on their stuff as opposed to working with you and focusing on you. They're not really going to, you know, dedicate their time. So. Yeah, and I think I think too a lot of that comes from I, I've started to do some more consulting with uh, you know more personal training type companies like you know the Good Lifes and the Lifetimes and what have you and I, I think part of my impact too and I hope to do more work with those companies is to try to and again don't just not to sound in an arrogant way but is to help promote that that industry of personal training because it it, it can have such a big impact because 
a personal trainer at a good life will see way more people than I will. And they'll see the people that probably need more help than a pro athlete does. You know, someone who's driving the go train every day and, you know, bad posture and then driving a desk for eight, nine hours. Like those are the people that need good training. You know, the people that are on their feet for X amount of time every day, like, and those are the people that a lot of these personal trainers are seeing, you know, and I think I'm trying to look for ways to help, you know, educate and encourage those people to, you know, be a pro, be a professional, be a pro at what you're doing. And I think they're going to have a, that's going to have a longer lasting impact than me. You know, I get to fine tune cars, really nice cars, you know, and I, I don't, like I said before, like my programs are fine, but it's, it's more, my value is in me as a coach is being with me. So I can see how you move. So I can see your complexion. I can see your eyes. I can, that's my value. You know what I mean? And I think educating more personal trainers on how to, you know, how to take those types of things in and modify programming and, you know, change what you're doing is, is where my value is going to be, you know? And I think that's, I also want to see too, like it's personal training is an important job. And, you know, it's just like being a strength coach. I think it's the best job in the world. You know, what other profession, you know, that you know of is when they leave your hands, it's the, the it's the best part of their day. And I say it to my staff and I still get some eye rolls, but I'm going to keep saying it is because it's true. Like how good do you feel after a workout, whether it was a really hard one, a really bad one, at least you got it done. Right. And then whether it's at the start of your day or at the end of your day, it's something that's, it's hard to, it's hard to replicate, you know, and policemen and firemen, and they do some amazing things, nurses, doctors, for sure. But there's a, tends to be a lot of negativity around those when you interact with those people and not, not because of who they are, but just the nature of, of, of how it works. And for us, it's like, it's can be all positive and it can be all, you know, invigorating and life-changing. And I think more people have to realize that, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I think, you know, the world needs to see more of you. You know what you're talking about. Credibility is so key. You know, people have to understand, like, you know, a lot of people would say shit, but actually backing up and having, you know, and so, I mean, don't ever feel, I think you should put it out there more and, and utilize social media. Like, I had problems doing podcasts and stuff because I really don't like to get out there too much. You know, I don't. I know now I've kind of got a more of an addiction into it. I love talking, learning, you know, I've learned more about you today than I have in a long time and love to see you contribute, you know, uh, where you can. You have a little bit more extra time now. Um, and then videos, I mean, obviously, and, and maybe doing more of the webinars, that could be, I think, a great opportunity. Is, is, I think there's a lot of people out there who want to know, like, how did you do this? Or how do we get into that? And you know what I mean? Right. I need this. And there's a lot of younger people. I mean, I'm 44. Now there's guys who've read the magazine who are in their 30s or, or late 20s who've been reading when they were younger. So they kind of like, they know there's credibility there. It's, it's money spent, time spent. We filter out. You know, that's what people have to understand that. Like, not just throwing shit out there and say, oh yeah, you should. And you got to be careful. When you're picking a trainer, right? I mean, this is one of the things. People, there's a lot of know-it-alls, you know, <laughs> and, and there's lots of different ways to do things. But it's, I also just say, well, where's the source? You know, if someone asks you, where did you get that? Where's that news from? Who told you this? You know, and, and so I, I think, you you know, we definitely should see more of you and, and oh, everything's going on. I mean, you obviously made some changes in your life and, and good for you. I mean, I think that's great. Um, and, and there's so much more. You know, we got to do some more stuff together. Be yeah, I, oh, I would love that, man. And that's part of the reason that I've always stayed in touch with you, to be honest, is because I see what you're doing, you know, and I, I think that's we're trying it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's awesome. And it's necessary. And I think, uh, you know, now that my situation has changed for the better, I think, 
you know, part of the reason why we moved out here as well is so I could put more time into those things, put more time into doing more speaking and doing more education, you know, and getting, I'm very fortunate that I, I always get lots of opportunities to do things like that. And typically it's tough to fit it into whatever the hell else I got going on. But, uh, you know, I've made that decision now is to make that time and have that time to do it because it's, uh, you only coach for so long. And, uh, I feel like I'm still pretty young and I can still connect with my young athletes, but I know it's something that, you know, it's not going to be forever. I'll always coach in some capacity, but no, it's a it's a progression now. It's it's more education based. It's more I'm the guy at the front of the room. You know, I'm not the guy doing the demos. Maybe one or two, but not not all of them. You know, and I think that's part of the evolution as a coach. Perfect. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it, and, and happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good to see you guys.